keep your Bibles open to Psalm 119. If you're a guest here, my name is Tim Shorey. I'm one of the pastors here at Risen Hope. It's my privilege to serve the church this morning or afternoon by leading us into the Word of God. The text that was just read in your hearing. By the way, this is going to be one of those mornings, God willing, where we may have some time at the end for some questions. So I think there's going to be a text number up there that you can text your questions to, make them easy, and I would appreciate it. Psalm 119, it's, it's fitting based on the testimony that our friend, young friend Majesty shared uh, with us today based on the announcement made by Galen that we come this afternoon to Psalm 119. We arrive at a new series of messages uh, in the Psalms for the next 18 weeks. There are going to be 18 messages on 18 different Psalms. This is a series I suppose that we could call a faith worth singing. The Psalms are a collection, an ancient collection of 150 prayer songs written by ancient Hebrew believers, and they have been recorded for us, they have been collected for us, and they have been cherished by the church, by believers for these millennia. They are wonderful, wonderful expressions of faith. They are poignant, they are at times challenging, they are at times heart-wrenching, they are at times soaring, but what they are are honest expressions of honest faith in a very broken world. And our desire in this series is, is to help you develop an authentic relationship with God in which you are able to express honestly, where you're at with God, what you're feeling, what you're experiencing, in which you are able to express the pain, the pathos, and the praise that come into your heart in the midst of all the sorrows, all the sufferings, all the joys of this world. And as we come to Psalm 119 to begin this series, we come to a very interesting psalm in many ways. This is a very long poem. I can imagine the uh, Sabbath service in which this psalm was sung. Uh, it would have taken a very long time. In fact, it is the longest chapter of the Bible, the longest section within a book of the Bible, 176 verses. Charles Spurgeon, uh, the 19th century preacher, tells the story, true story, of a man named George Wishart who uh, apparently got into trouble with the law and was convicted and condemned to hang. This was back in the day in England. And one of the, one of the um, rights, so to speak, of those so condemned is that they could pick out a scripture and read it uh, before their execution. And so Mr. Wishart chose Psalm 119 uh, to read. And because, true story, because it was so long to read, while he was reading it, a notice came from the courts that was a stay of his execution. 
and he survived the ordeal. So the psalm literally saved his life. (laughs) I'm here to tell you that it still saves lives today. Uh, And in much deeper ways and even more important ways than for Mr. Wisher. This is a psalm where nearly every verse makes reference to God's word. By using a series of synonyms, your word, the psalmist writes, your precepts, your statutes, your laws, your law, your rules, your testimonies, your commandments. Just about every verse has reference to the word of God. And so this is a poem, this is a song about God's word that as you read it at times, it feels very much like a love song for God's Word. It's an interesting chapter. It is acrostically arranged. There are 22 sections in the psalm corresponding to the 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet. And they are sequential. They are consecutive. And so each section begins with the next letter in the Hebrew alphabet. In Hebrew, you can't see it in the English translation. And each verse in each section begins with that letter. So the the author of this poem, this song, is clearly trying to help us to remember its content. Giving us a memory device. So the section that was just read, verses 97 through 104, could, could read something like this using the letter M, since this is the 12th section corresponding to the letter M, it could read like this. My, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day, making me wiser than my enemies. Your commandment is ever before me. Meditating on your testimonies, I have gained more understanding than all my teachers. Maintaining your precepts, I understand more than the aged, motivated to keep your word. I hold back my feet from every evil way. Mentored by you, I do not turn aside from your rules. More than honey to my mouth, how sweet are your words to my taste. Made to understand through your precepts, I now hate every false way. And the psalmist does that from... 22 straight Hebrew letters, every section. I've been working on doing an English version of that for a while. There are some letters that are just impossible. We'll get there sooner or later, I think. This, is, this psalm, as one other side note here, was the inspiration for the little devotional book that I wrote a few years ago, Worship Worthy, Alliterative Adoration. It was this biblical model of alliteration and acrostic that inspired me to write that little book about Jesus using uh, the letters of the alphabet. Well, Psalm 119, how do we get through it in 30 minutes? Uh, Not going to be possible. What I think I want to do this afternoon is to summarize the psalm and then draw from the text that has been read as a selection from the psalm. And in so doing, I hope and I pray, and I've been praying fervently, that God will 
teach us some things this morning that will not just be a, of passing interest to us, but will teach us some things that will be transforming to us, that will create a culture within our own life, within our families, within this church. And I, I want to summarize Psalm 119 with a tiny bit of poetry myself. Here it is, not trying to be clever here, but trying to actually put some stickum on this teaching so it, it adheres to our brains and to our hearts for a while and, and maybe even sticks there for good so that it does affect our lives and does affect our homes and does affect our church. Here, here is the summary of this psalm. Give the word its rightful place and watch your life fill up with grace. That's what Psalm 119 is about. Give the word its rightful place and watch your life fill up with grace. Individually, hear this this morning. Give the word, give this word its rightful place and then watch your life fill up with grace. Families, give the word its rightful place in your home and watch your home fill up with grace. Church, Risen Hope Church, Oh, may this be true of us as a church, that we are a people who give the word its rightful place. If we will, if we will keep it in its rightful place, we will watch our life together fill up with grace. Let me answer a couple of questions here that I think that little summary begs. What is the word's rightful place? And then what kind of grace will fill up your life when you give it its rightful place? Those two questions that we'll try to answer here. Question number one, what is the word's rightful place? Well, the psalmist gives us at least three answers to that question. Answer number one, it is a beloved place. It is a place in our affections, in our love. Verse 97, oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. I love your law. Lord, I love your word. This is not about being passive or indifferent or grudging and coerced to somehow rather read the Bible or listen to sermons. No, it is a love. There, there needs to be a love for the word of God. A love for the scriptures, a love for the Bible, a love for the, look at this, how I love your law. He doesn't say how I love your promises, he says that elsewhere, but here he says, I love your law. I love it, Lord, when you tell me how to live. I love your rules, I love your commandments, I love your orders. I love as Majesty was talking about the instructions. I don't know how to do this life. I love your law. Okay. Oh, God. There needs to be the, the rightful place for the word of God is a place in our love, a beloved place. Secondly, a daily place. A daily place. Verse 97. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Verse 164 of this same psalm says, Seven times a day I will praise you for your righteous deeds, or for your righteous rules. Seven times a day 
I will praise you for your rules. How's that a life change? How's that for a life changer? Seven times a day, I'm going to pause and praise God for the rules that he has given me to live by. This is a, a daily place. I wonder if you're aware of how the Bible emphasizes a daily intake of the Word of God. This, this is something that we read about time and again in Scripture. In Deuteronomy 17, Israelite kings are commanded to have a copy of God's law and to read it all the days of their lives. In Psalm 1, many of you will know Psalm 1, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, sit in the seat of scornful, stand in the way of sinners, but his what? Delight is in the law of God, and in his law he meditates when? Day and night. In, Psalm, in Proverbs 8 and verse 34, we read about wisdom, and, and wisdom is being personified, and, he, and it's talking to us. And, and wisdom says, blessed is the one who listens to me, watching daily at my gates. Where do you find wisdom? You find it here. And wisdom says, watch daily at my gates. In Isaiah 50 and verse 4, the prophet says about himself and about the coming Messiah, the Lord God has given me the tongue of those who are taught that I may know how to sustain with a word those who are weary morning by morning. Morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as those who are taught. In Acts 2, the early Christians, they met every day to receive the teaching of God's word. In Acts 17 and verse 11, the Berean Christians were said to be more noble-minded than the Thessalonian Christians. Do you know why? Because they searched the scriptures daily to see whether the things were true. In Hebrews chapter 3, we are challenged to exhort one another, that is, give each other the truth we need every day, every day, lest we be hardened by sin. Friends, it's not legalism, it's not human rulemaking to say that one way or another, you need Bible every day. You need Bible every day. Through reading, through study, through preaching, through fellowship, through conversation, through memorization, through meditation, you need Bible every day. Daily intake. What is the rightful place for God's word? It is a beloved place. Oh, how I love your law. It is a daily place. It is my meditation all the day. And it is an everywhere place. In other words, wherever you are and whatever you're doing, that's what verse 98 is about. Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. The psalmist says, wherever I go, whatever I'm doing, the commandments of the Lord are always, they are perpetually, they are constantly, they are ever with me. There is nowhere that he goes that he doesn't take God's truth with him. We need God's word Everywhere we are. So what this means is that the rightful place 
for God's Word. It's a beloved place, a daily place, an everywhere place. That means God's Word must engage our affections. God's Word must occupy our days. And God's Word must accompany our steps. We should love nothing more than God's Word, except God Himself, whom that Word reveals. And we should contemplate and study nothing more often or consistently than we do God's Word. And we should never go anywhere without God's Word. I'm not saying carry a Bible with you everywhere you go. Not this physically, but in here, spiritually. Give the Word its rightful place. And watch your life fill up with grace. Folks, at the heart of this is a conviction that we must share, we must own, we must believe. And that is that this word is God's word. That all scripture, in the words of Paul, all Scripture has been breathed out by God. It is God-inspired, and it's profitable for teaching and correction and training in righteousness. We must believe in, with our Lord Jesus Christ, who said about the Scriptures, not one word shall be broken. We must believe with Jesus, who said about God's law, God's word, that not a jot or a tittle, not an iota or a dot, will fail. What does that mean? That means right down to the smallest letter and part of a letter in the Bible, every word will be fulfilled. It is all God's word. It is pure. It is righteous. It is sure. It is certain. It is true. It has no error. It has no flaw. It has no mistakes. It is the word of the living God. So that when you read, the words here are God's words. The word here is God, God's word. When the Bible is read, the voice of God is heard. When you read your Bible at home, you are having a personal conversation with God. God is talking to you just as real, just as surely as if God was in the room physically and visibly. That is God's word. We must believe this. Jesus believed this. So that when he, there was an argument and a debate, you know what sealed the debate for Jesus? He would say, the scriptures say. The scriptures say. End of argument. Why? Because what the scriptures say, God says. The scriptures are the word of God. If you don't have that conviction, then, well, you're not really going to much care about giving the word its rightful place in your life. But if it is the word of God, then its rightful place in your life is in your love. Oh, how I love your law. It is in your schedule daily. It is my meditation all the day. And it is everywhere you go. Your commandments are ever with me. Now, the question is, if it is true, we are to give the word its rightful place, what kind of grace will then fill up our life? Give the word its rightful place.
place and watch your life fill up with grace. I need to make sure we don't get confused here a little bit. There are, there are a couple of attitudes that we might have about Bible reading and study that can lead us astray. I'll give you a couple of uh, true-false question quiz here, okay? Here's true or false. I have to read my Bible for God to love me more. False. God cannot love you any more than he already does. And God's love for you is not based on whether or not you read the Bible, whether or not you pray, whether or not you go to church. God's love for you is based on, first of all, his amazing grace, but his amazing grace in Jesus Christ who died for you, who rose from the dead, who is your Savior, who is your Lord. He loves you fully and, yes, unconditionally in Jesus Christ. Jesus fulfilled all the conditions required to earn the love of God for you. You don't read the Bible to get God to love you more. You do need to read the Bible to get you to love God more. You do need to read the Bible to grow your own love for God, your knowledge of God, and your relationship with God. But if you get that wrong and you think, I need to read the Bible to get God to love me more, that'll be a blessing blocker in your life. Because that will rob you of the blessing of assurance in Jesus Christ. Your, your, your every day is going to go up and down depending on your devotional time this morning. Oh, no, you are secure in the love of God. You are assured of the love of God in Christ. But what about this one? True or false? I don't need to read God's word for God to bless me more. I don't need to read God's word for God to bless me more. That is false. <laughs> Ron has a 50% on this exam. <laughs> Hear this carefully. God's love is unconditional. His blessing isn't. His blessing comes to us in great measure in response to our desire for Him and His Word. If you do not give the Word its rightful place, Brother, sister, friend here this morning, your life is not going to be as full of grace. It is as you give the word its rightful place that God fills your life with grace. Important distinction, a lot of confusion here. We do believe in the unconditional love of God, conditions all fulfilled by Jesus for us. But the Bible is very clear that the degree of God's blessing, the degree of God's favor in our lives here on this planet is in some measure dependent on our faithfulness to seek Him and desire Him in His Word. So it's not as if we're all just going to get equally blessed because we're in Jesus. No, some will be more blessed than others if they are faithfully seeking the Lord. 
And so give the word its rightful place and your life will fill up with grace. And what is that grace? What are the, those blessings? Well, Psalm 119 is full of answers. Let me give them to you really rapid fire here. Just, just uh, turn up uh, the pace at which you can listen over this next three minutes or so. Here are ten blessings. All right, you ready? Give the word its rightful place. Number one, it will fill your mind with wisdom. Give the word its rightful place, and it will fill your mind with wisdom. Verse 98, your commandments make me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the aged, for I keep your precepts. The psalmist says, your word makes me wise. In fact, I'm wiser than old people, and I'm wiser than my teachers. You look at your life, you say, I'm foolish, I'm ignorant, I don't have a clue. Stay in the Word of God and you'll become wiser than the wise. Doesn't matter how young you are. We heard wisdom from majesty a few minutes ago. We heard wisdom, discernment, and ability to, to see the connection between the Word and His life. This young 13-year-old, six, sorry, That wasn't wise, sorry. (laughs) Wisdom. Wisdom came as a fruit of time in the Word. It'll make you wise. Wiser than the aged. Wiser, the psalmist says, than your enemies. Give the Word its rightful place, and it will fill your mind with wisdom. Secondly, Give the word its rightful place. It will fill your spirit with sweetness. Verse 103. How sweet are your words to my taste. Sweeter than honey to my mouth. My friends, does life ever leave you with a sour and bad taste in your mouth? Well, I'm here to tell you that if you live your life in the word of God, if you love God's word and meditate on it day and night, there will always be a sweet taste in your mouth. There will always be something sweet, something pleasant for you to enjoy, no matter how messed up and heartbreaking life becomes. Give the word its rightful place in three It will fill your conscience with discernment. It will fill your conscience with discernment. Verse 101, I hold back my feet from every evil way in order to keep your word. I do not turn aside from your rules for you have taught me. In verse 9 of this psalm, he says, How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. Verse 11, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. You see, the more the word is in you, the more your conscience is is trained to be discerning about what is right and what is wrong, and your life is filled up with discernment. Number four, give the word its rightful place, and it will fill your heart with joy. It will fill your heart with joy. 
back in the very first verses of Psalm 119. Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep His commandments, who seek Him with all of their heart. Verse 111, your testimonies are my heritage forever. They are the joy of my heart. You want a happy heart? Fill it up with the Word of God. And it won't matter, it does matter when sorrows come, but the sorrows will not be able to touch your joy. Because the joy is in something deeper. It's in God and His Word. Five, give the Word its rightful place, and it will fill your soul with peace. Verse 165. Great peace have those who love your law, nothing can make them stumble. Shalom. Fullness. A prosperity of soul. A sense of wholeness and fullness and peace is for those whose hearts are filled with the Word of God. Number six, give the Word its rightful place. It will fill your weakness with strength. Verse 28 where the psalmist writes, My soul melts away for sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. When sorrows weaken you and debilitate you and afflict you, and when sadness and brokenness deplete you, God's word will be strength for your soul. Next, give the word its rightful place and it will fill your void with hope. It'll fill your void with hope. Verse 43, and several times throughout Psalm 119, take not the word of truth utterly out of my mouth, for my hope is in your rules. This is a world that is in despair. This is a world that has lost its way. This is a world that doesn't have a clue. This is a world that is giving up. But those who linger in the law of God, those who give the word its rightful place, will fill up their hearts with hope because there are promises, because God is on the throne, because God is king, because God knows the way to live and God tells us the way to live. We can do this, folks. We can do this. Because God is God, and God is our God, and His Word is ours. Give the Word its rightful place, and it will fill your void with hope. Eight, give the Word its rightful place, and it will fill your being with wonder. Verse 18 of Psalm 119. Verse 18. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things wondrous things out of your law. The Bible's full of wonders. It tells us the wonder of who God is and what God has done. Somebody referenced earlier the ah moments of child dedication. Ah, you know, all that was going on. Uh, There are ah moments and then there are awe moments. I love awe moments. I kind of live for awe moments. When there's a fresh glimpse of the majesty of God, the power of God, the deeds of God. And I, and I catch a sight of something wondrous and, and my heart is filled with wondrous things. Those who give the word its rightful place 
will find their being filled up with wonder. Nine, give the word its rightful place and it will fill your mouth with praise. It will fill your mouth with praise. Verse 62, at midnight I rise to praise you because of your righteous rules. Verse verse 7, I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous rules. Verse 164, seven times a day I will praise you for your righteous rules. Verse 171, my lips shall pour forth praise for you. Teach me your statutes. Fill up your life with the word of God and you will have fuel for ceaseless praise. You will always have something to praise. You will always have another reason to worship. You will always have another reason to give thanks. The Bible fuels, it ignites praise. You want a good way to prepare for worship? I was going to say on Sunday morning, can even pretty soon Sunday afternoon, you want a good way to prepare for a four o'clock worship? Spend some time in the Word. And it will fuel your praise. You'll come ready to sing. You'll come ready to worship. The Word fills our hearts and our mouths with praise. And finally, give the Word its rightful place and it will simply fill your life with God. You see, all these promises add up to that. They add up to a deepening, strengthening, more joy-giving relationship with God. They add up to knowing God better. Time and again, he says to God, these are your words, these are your precepts, these are your statutes. In other words, these are words that have come from you, and we all know that words reveal the person. Words reveal the person. So every word in the Bible reveals something about God. So fill your life with the word, and you will be filling your life with more of God. Give the word its rightful place and watch your life fill up with grace. Women, you've been introduced today to an opportunity, Club 119, an opportunity to fill your, or to give the word its rightful place in fellowship with other sisters in the Lord Sign up and enjoy. Just delight in it. Delight in it. Teenagers, youth discovery, Bible study. It's an opportunity to go deeper into God's Word this afternoon. Enjoy it. Gentlemen, we don't have a special plan for you. <laughs> that may be coming sometime soon. Who knows? But, hey guys, just pick up a Bible and start reading. Here, here's, here's a plan, um, six-month plan, 26-week plan. goes like this, 26 weeks, five days a week, two chapters a day. Gentlemen, you'll get through the New Testament. 27 weeks, five days a week, two chapters a day, and you'll get through the New Testament. More than once. And your life will be filled up with grace. Now it's not, it's not, 
not magical. It's not formulaic. You need to pray that God will open your eyes and open your heart to see wondrous things from his law, to incline your heart to hear from him. But it is a promise, folks. It is a promise. Give the word its rightful place and watch your life fill up with grace. This is what Psalm 19 is teaching us, teaching it beautifully, teaching it poetically, teaching it in a way that is emphatic, 176 verses, saying it one way or another over and over and over again. Give the word its rightful place and watch your life fill up with grace. May each life here be marked by that. May each family, oh, each family, each marriage be filled up with this. And may this church be known as a church that gives the word its rightful place so that our life together will be filled with grace for his glory and for our everlasting joy. Let's pray, and I don't know, we've got a minute, I guess, here for a question. Father, thank you for the promise and precepts of your word. You have not left us in the dark. You have spoken, and your word is truth, and it's life. May it be that every person here will bow the knee to your word, to you, and receive its truth. For his or her life in Jesus' name. Amen. Might have might have time for one or two questions here at the end. Um, first one, I want to read the Bible, but I get discouraged when I can't understand it, particularly the Old Testament. What can I do about this? That's a really good question, and welcome to the crowd, whoever asked that question. Uh, if we were to ask for a show of hands, every hand in this place would be raised. Every honest hand uh, would be raised because there are parts of the Bible that are hard to understand. There are parts of the Bible that uh, are really complicated. There are parts that um, are even at times they seem, uh, it almost feels at times that, that that can't be right. <laughs> you know, that kind of response. Um, I face that, I meet up with that as I read the Bible. You know what I do? If I don't have time to find out an answer or figure it out, I just keep reading. Uh, I just keep going. Because I know that I have a whole lifetime to learn things I don't understand, and I have eternity uh, to find any answers that I didn't find in this life. Don't be discouraged by the hard-to-understand parts. The fact of the matter is the Bible overwhelmingly is not hard to the vast majority of the Bible is, is, is not, not complicated. It's, it's simple. Uh, I would encourage you to start with the New Testament because I think it does. Uh, there is a clarity in the New Testament. It's, it's, there's fulfillment of a lot of things that are kind of symbolic in the Old Testament that are fulfilled in Jesus. Um, so there's a clarity and a fulfillment in the New Testament that I think you'll find easier if you're just getting started in, in Bible reading. Uh, not to neglect the old, because that's wonderful, but start with the new and, uh, and work your way toward the more difficult. Uh, let's do um, one more. This is a more practice. Let's get to question number three here. Uh, 
practical question. Do you recommend using references such as concordances? Uh, what else can help with studying scripture? Basically, the person is asking, what tools can we use to help us in our study of scripture? Um, I think I'd want to answer that question first by, by um, really encouraging you to read scripture first. If, if you're not in the habit of just reading scripture, try to make that a daily habit. You know, just, just 15 minutes a day, you can get a couple chapters in and and you've, you know, you're beginning to orient your life in a, in a different way. If you're at a point where you're ready to start digging in deeper, then there's, there's several wonderful study Bibles. The ESV study Bible can give you a lot of basic uh, understanding of uh, parts of the Bible, introduction to different books of the Bible, uh, outlines, and so forth. They really help you as you're reading to get kind of a big picture of what the various parts of the Bible are about. So uh, the deeper you go, I mean, I have a library at the office where there are thousands of books. I mean, there's, there's all kinds of resources. Uh, but I think the simple beginning is a, is a Bible study. And then if you're in a book for a while, you may want to get a commentary or something like that on a given book of the Bible. But start with just reading with the prayer that God, through his spirit, will open your eyes to see things. Because he will. He will. Give the word its rightful place and watch your life fill up with grace. Just so you're aware, we also have uh, copies of the uh, a Bible reading plan in, in the back. Uh, so feel free to pick up those. It's yet another tool to use. Let me just close. Let me just take a moment just to pray for us uh, and, and close our time here. Heavenly Father, the psalmist says, oh, how I love your law. I pray that by your grace, that would be the desire of our hearts, Lord, that we would be people who make, and make the time to meditate on your word day and night so that we could be careful to do according to all that is written within it, Lord, that we would be like that tree of Psalm 1, that no matter what comes, Lord, we are well-rooted and grounded, built on the foundation of truth, I pray for those here who might feel a bit intimidated of the whole thought of getting into your word. I pray for grace. I pray that you would, by your spirit, open up eyes to see the truth of your wonderful book, of the, the, the glorious truths of who you are and your great redemption that you've given to us in Jesus Christ and how we will spend a lifetime knowing and loving you because of what you have first done for us. I pray that we would be people who give your word its rightful place and that as a result, our lives would be filled up with grace. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.